0: gospel john chapter one we're going to continue our series about the purpose of christmas the purpose of christmas so we're going to start in john one today a familiar passage of scripture a really a beautiful passage of scripture too and john one in verse one we're going to start there and in john one in verse one in the new living translation it says this in the beginning the word already existed The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Verse 6 God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so everyone might believe because of His testimony. And John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone who was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. And they are... Reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. In verse 14, this will be a key verse for today. So the word became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father, the one and only son. So today, if you're taking notes today, this will be the second part of the purpose of Christmas today. I want to talk to you about why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? We're celebrating this holiday season and a lot of people forget the reason why Jesus came to earth. Why did Jesus come to earth? Why is it significant? Why should we care? And it's very impur- important to, to realize this because we need to remind ourselves of the purpose of Christmas. Now, real quickly, last week we talked about find the babe. We were talking about how we need to seek after Jesus just like the wise men and the shepherds sought after him to find him. But especially during this holiday season because we see that A lot of people find presents and they find uh, uh, Christmas cookies and eggnog. They find family events and work events and Christmas lights. And the statistics show us that the most depressing time of the year and the most suicides are from Thanksgiving to New Year's. So we realize even though the world is finding all these things, they're not finding God and they're not finding peace, and they're not finding happiness, and they're not finding joy because they're forgetting the whole purpose of Christmas in the first place is to find Jesus, is to find Jesus. And so if we go through this holiday season and we find all these things, the heart of the message was this. I don't want us to go through another holiday season and be as empty as we were before. And be as dissatisfied as we were before because we found everything else, but we didn't find him. So we need to be finding Jesus. And uh, this is something I want to add to that. uh, Because when you find him, that's not the end of it. Just like with any relationship, you realize you find God when you come to the altar and you accept his salvation. But that's not the end. That's the beginning. You just started the relationship. You don't know him yet. And so there's more to find. There's more to understand. There's more to realize. And for the rest of your life and all of eternity, we're going to find out more about God. And God wants to be sought after to be found. And it can be new. Every day you can find something new about God. You can grow in your relationship with God. And all of eternity, we're going to be finding out more about God. But he wants to know who's serious enough to seek after him. So that was the heart of last week's message, if you weren't here, uh, is to find him during these holiday seasons. But that's not just a holiday message, that's a lifetime message. So we need to find him and seek after him because we realize even the people in Jesus' day missed him because he didn't come the way they thought he would come. Because they weren't intentionally seeking after him. And it's the same true for us today. We can miss God. There's people in churches this morning that miss God. There's people that read their Bible and miss God. There's people that listen to worship music and miss God because they're not intentional about finding Him and knowing Him. And we need to be people in a church that's serious about finding and knowing God better today than we knew Him yesterday. Knowing Him better next year than we do this year. And so all those things are good during the holiday season, but if we find those things and don't find Him, we miss the point. And we'll leave another holiday season feeling empty because we missed the whole point of it. But today I want to talk to you about why did Jesus come to earth? Why did Jesus come to earth? And I have three reasons I wrote down that I want to talk about today why Jesus came. We realize we could say a lot more than three reasons. But I think these are the three main reasons in my heart why I feel like Jesus came to earth. So The first one is this. Jesus came to reveal the heart of God. Jesus came to reveal the heart of God. Now I want to take that two different ways. So we're going to talk about the first way that Jesus reveals the heart of God. You realize in the time that Jesus came, their revelation of who God was and what he was like was very limited they did not fully understand what God was like. They only knew little glimpses in the Old Testament of what God was like. So at the time that Jesus came to the earth, and still even today, people do not fully understand who God really is and what his heart is like. So the time that Jesus came to earth, all they knew was the different things in the Old Testament that people said about God. So they only knew God a lot of times as just a judgmental, angry, jealous, law-giving God with no mercy. Even though that wasn't really God's heart in reality. And so Jesus came on the scene, who is God, and he reveals the heart of God to people and says, I don't know what you've heard about what God is like, but let me reveal to you, because I am God, And I'm going to reveal the heart of God to humanity. This is what God thinks about you. This is what God feels about you. This is the heart of God. In the Gospels it says, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because we are one in the same. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. You've seen God. Because Jesus is the God-man. And he revealed the heart of God. So what do you see in the Gospels? You see God's heart revealed towards people. What do you see? You see Jesus loving people unconditionally. You see Jesus compassion towards people unconditionally. You see Jesus healing people. Why? Because He's revealing the heart of God. You see Jesus delivering people that are demon-possessed because Jesus is revealing the heart of God. You see people being changed from the inside out because He's revealing the heart of God. You see Jesus going to the outcast and the prostitute and the sinner and the drunkard and the tax collector and you see Him reaching out to those people because He's revealing the heart of God. Come on, is anybody here this morning? And so when Jesus came, He revealed the heart of God to people because up to that point, they didn't really know what God was really like. They just kind of guessed. They kind of just thought by a few different passages in the Old Testament what God was like. But they didn't know God as Father. They didn't know God as love. They didn't know God as a healer and a provider like the way they do when Jesus came. So Jesus came to completely turn the religious system on that day on its head and say, you know what? God is not like the Pharisees. And God is not like the Sadducees. And God is not like this religious people that you see. God is not like this. God is not like that. He's like me. And Jesus revealed the heart of God. And the heart of God, notice what is it? It's love. It's kindness, it's compassion, it's mercy. He's a healer, he's a provider, he's a deliverer, and Jesus reveals the heart of God to people. That's why we talk so much over the years of don't just read random Old Testament verses about about God and make a judgment about who he is. Because if you really want to know the revelation of who God really is, you have to read the gospels and read Jesus. Because Jesus reveals who God really is. He reveals the heart of God. So if you want to know the heart of God, you have to look at the life of Jesus. What did he do? How did he treat people? Uh, How did he love people? How did he care for people? Because when we see Jesus, we see the Father. So the number one reason why Jesus came is Jesus came to reveal the heart of God. But then there's some other reasons I feel like that Jesus came to reveal the heart of God. So we're going to read in John 1. We're going to turn over there again. In John 1, in verse 1. It says, In the beginning... The Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, he existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Verse 4, the Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Now, let's jump down to verse 14. Jump down to verse 14. Could you guys look up here for a second and let's read this verse in the New Living. It says, so the word became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. But notice the word became human and made his home among us. By the fact that Jesus, who is God, came to earth reveals his heart. And the Son of God humbled himself and lowered himself to that level to come into the earth he created to reveal the heart of God. And it says, so the word, that's speaking of Jesus, became human and made his home among us. It reveals the heart of God on how he came to earth. Jesus came to earth and became a human being. To show us the love of God. To show us the heart of God. He came to earth and became a man. The son of God became the son of man. The creator became part of his creation. And that reveals the heart of God and his love for us. None of you have ever fallen that low. None of you have ever humbled yourself that low. Think about God. Versus his creation, he humbled himself to the point of becoming one of us, one of his creations, a human being and living in this world he created so he could save us. And that reveals the heart of God. Uh, during Christmas time, a lot of people talk about this It's called the incarnation. Um, the incarnation means in flesh. God came in flesh, in flesh God put on skin and bones and became flesh. That's during the holiday season. We celebrate the incarnation because that is God coming into flesh, into a human body and becoming a man for our sake to die for us. And so we celebrate God becoming one of us. That reveals the heart of God, how much he loves us, how much he cares about us, that God would become one of us. I love this verse. Let's a look at Philippians 2 and verse 6 in the New Living Translation. Let's look up here and read it together. It says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus. Come on, where are my Pentecostals at? You went home. That at the name of Jesus. Okay. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, let's read the first couple of verses again. This is what Jesus did when he came. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges for you. He's God. Think about the privileges you have when you're God. And it says, he gave up his divine privileges for all of us and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So we see that Jesus reveals the heart of God by his humility to lower himself to the level of his creation because he wanted to save us. To become a human being. That reveals the heart of God towards us. That God is not too good to get involved into the business of the human beings he created. God's not on the other side of the universe just letting you guys just figure it out yourself. No, God's heart is towards us and he is a covenant keeping God. And when he created Adam and Eve, even though they sinned, God said right then and there, it's not over. Because I'm not giving up on my people that easily. And he said in the beginning, he said, I know this happened. But in the first couple books of the Bible, he said, I'm going to send one who's going to take back everything that was lost in this garden. I'm going to send one who messed up what happened to Adam and Eve in creation. I'm going to send one, devil, you got me this time, but you won't get me next time. And I'm going to send one because God is a covenant-keeping God. And that reveals the heart of God. His covenant-keeping God. And he sent his son to become a human like us. Now here's the question. Why did he have to send his son. I mean, couldn't Abraham or David or Moses or some of these people of faith fix this problem? No, they couldn't. I'll tell you why. Why did God have to become a man to die for us? Couldn't these great men and women of God do it for him? Well, the thing is this. Man got us into this mess, so a man's going to have to get us out of this mess. Now, the only problem with that is man is sinful. So man can't pay for other people's sin. He can only pay for his own. And he does a bad job at just paying for that. And so since a man got us into this mess, a man's going to have to get us out of this mess. But no man is qualified to pay the price for our sins. Not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob, not Moses, not David, not any of these Old Testament leaders and men of God because they're sinful. So it has to be a man, but not just any man, a man who's sinless, a man who's perfect. That's why God had to become a man, to pay for our sin. And so God became a man to pay the price For sin for all of us for all time. Because no man on earth could pay for their own sin and definitely not pay for the sins of the world. So God had to become, because he's perfect, he's holy, he's just, he's righteous. The perfect God had to become a perfect man to pay the price for us to go to heaven. To pay the price for our sin. To pay the price to redeem us back out of the hands of the enemy. Is anybody here this morning? So that's why not any man could do it. But notice God couldn't do it just in his own strength. He had to obey his own laws and own rules he set up. And so he said, I can't redeem them as God. I'm going to have to become a man To redeem him because man got him into this mess and a man's going to have to get him out. Adam got us into this and Jesus is going to get us out. Adam put us into sin. Are you with me today? But Jesus came to save. So it has to be a perfect man, a God man. And it says in Philippians, like we just read, he, even though he was God, He put aside his divine privileges as God and he walked as a man for 33 years. Sinless, perfect, righteous, so he could pay the price of sin for us. And that alone reveals the heart of God. The love that God has for us to humble himself, to give up his divine privileges as God, so he could walk as a man to redeem us back to himself. I love this. C.S. Lewis said this. The son of God became the son of man. So the sons of men could become the sons of God. Come on, did you get that? I want to read that one more time. You, got, you act like you're in a Presbyterian church today. All right. <clears throat> the son of God became the son of man. So the sons of men could become the sons of God. Now that's why he came, to reveal the heart of God. But it had to be him to do it. No other man could redeem us. So why did Jesus come? He came to reveal the heart of God. Number two, Jesus came to save. Jesus came to save. Now let's look at Matthew 1 and verse 21. I love this verse. Matthew 1 21, New Living, it says, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And you will name him Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. We see that Jesus came to save. Jesus' name means God saves. In the original language, Jesus means God saves. Now, I don't know if you know about this, but in Bible times, names and numbers are significant. They don't just name kids flippantly like today. Like, hey, this is not a name. Let's just make up one. Okay, let's, let's call you Uber. <laughs> I mean, they don't, just, they don't just make stuff up. Let's, let's call you Airbnb. I don't know. Let's call you, uh, you know, Bicycle. I mean, people today, millennials, they got issues. Um, They just name them crazy names. They don't mean anything. There's no significance. But in Bible times, it meant something. And God said, you don't get to choose the name. Don't go through the baby book because you don't get to choose it. He came and he said, he revealed this to Mary and Joseph. You will name him Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus means literally in the original language, God saves. God saves. And in Bible times, their name had everything to do with what they were called to do. So the father reveals himself in the name of Jesus and says, the reason I'm sending Jesus is to save. Jesus came to earth to save. His name means God saves or God is salvation. And that's the reason he came. I thought you'd get a little bit more excited about that. No, I'm good. I don't need saving. I'm good. God saves. Now, what did he come from? He came to save you from sin. He came to save you from sickness. He came to save you from poverty. He came to save you from self, which most of you need that. He came to save you from fear. He came to save you from depression. He came to save you from suicide. He came to save you from, ultimately, death. Jesus came to save. And Jesus is a savior. His name reveals his saving grace. Jesus, God saves. God is salvation. Now, I got another verse for you, and I know dad's really going to like this because it's in Hebrews. You ready for this? All right, so Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 in the New Living Translation. (laughs) So, I love this. Hebrews 2, 14 through 15, New Living. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, the Incarnation. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil. Now, that was an opportunity to shout. Let me read that one more time. For only as a human being could he die. He couldn't die as God, he had to die as a man. Fully God, fully man. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil. And notice it says, Who had the power of death? Stop. Now I'm not the best at English, but it says, Who had? Not who has, who had. The power of death. Because when Jesus died and came to save us, he defeated the power of death. And he could only do this as a human being. So Jesus came and he died, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil. The devil has no authority over you anymore as a believer. Now, if you're not saved, he has all the authority in the world. But if you are saved and Jesus is living on the inside of you, he has no longer any power over you at all. Because you have been redeemed. And notice he has broke the power of the devil. Who had the power of death? Notice, not who has it, who had it? Who had it? Because as believers... We never die. He broke the power of death for those who have received him. And as a believer, he broke the power of death. So now we never die. You realize when you pass on, let's, let's call it that, when you pass on from this life to the next life, you're not dying. You're more alive than you ever were before. So you're not getting a downgrade, you're getting an upgrade. Because you think you're alive right now, wait till you get to heaven. How much more alive you will be then. So for the believer, it's not death and more death, it's you're alive and you're going to be more alive. Because he broke the power of the devil and of death. All right, let's read the next verse. And only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Did you hear what Brother Dale said? He said, Even if I would have died, I wasn't afraid. Why? Because he's not dying. He's actually going to be more alive than he ever was on this planet. Come on, are you getting something this morning? I love this. It says, only in this way, by him dying this death as a human being, he broke the power of the devil, the power of death, and only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Most people are afraid, they live their lives afraid. From the time they're born to the time they die, they're afraid. Do you know the root of every fear is death? You're not afraid of spiders. You're afraid of dying from a spider. (laughs) You're not afraid of airplanes. You're afraid of dying in an airplane. You're not afraid of tight spaces. You're afraid of dying in a tight space. You're not afraid of public speaking. You're afraid of dying when you public speak. (laughs) So the, the root Of every fear is death. Any fear you have in your life, it's death. But when Jesus broke that fear, now you don't have to fear death, but if you don't fear death, you don't fear anything else. So Jesus, by his death, by him coming to earth, not only destroyed the fear of dying someday, but he destroyed the fear of living. Because most of us aren't really living. We're just existing. Because we have a lot of fear in our life. And you can't really live the life that God's meant you to live if you're afraid. You go to work afraid. You raise your kids afraid. You have a marriage afraid. You go to the gym afraid. You drive afraid. You think about your future afraid. That's not really living. So, because Jesus came, not only am I not fearful of dying in the future because I know where I'm going, but He erased the fear that now, right now in this life, I don't have to be afraid of anything and I can really live. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding today. And my voice is going, so pray for my voice. We can really live. Most people aren't really living. Come on, you know that's true. They're just existing. They're just going to work and coming home and eating food and putting on Netflix and going to bed and doing the same thing. And there's no significance and there's no purpose and there's no future and there's no eternity in mind. And they're going through the motions and they're existing because they're afraid. Not only are they afraid of dying in the future, they're afraid of living here and now. But Jesus destroyed the fear that has had us bound as, notice he says, as slaves. He destroyed the power of the devil on our life, He destroyed the power of death, but He set us free, all of us who have lived our lives in fear. That because Jesus came, we can really live. Come on, who who wants to really live in here? You don't want to just exist. You don't want to just get by. You don't just want to live in the suburbs and have everything you want and be miserable. You want to really live a life that's meant for God, that has purpose, that has meaning. Really live. And Jesus died so we could be set free from fear. I told Natalie this the other day. We were in her room. I said, put on your Christmas tree. Let's turn off the lights. We're in her room. It's just me and her. She goes, Daddy, I'm afraid. Like, All that's in here is stuffed animals. What is there to be afraid of? There's a Christmas tree and stuffed animals. It's not like we have pictures of monsters on the wall or anything like that. It's just me and her. And I said, Natalie, you need to know this the rest of your life. God has not given you a spirit of fear but power, who knows that verse, but power and love and a sound mind. Because God is not bringing fear. He's here to set us free from fear. He don't want us to be afraid of death, and He doesn't want us to be afraid to live. So Jesus came to save. And so many people, religious people, narrow it down just to Salvation. But he set us free from so much more than that. From sin, from sickness, from self, from depression, from poverty, from fear, and ultimately death. In the life of a believer, it only gets better from here. That's why the apostle Paul said, I don't know whether I would want to stay here or go. Because... For me to stay here would be better for you, but to die is gain. So I don't win either. I mean, I don't lose either way. I win. The same is true for us. How much more could we live without fear knowing that? If I stay here, I win. If I go to heaven, I win. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to save. Come on, let's read this verse one more time. Couple more moments. I'm about to jump on a chair. Just be prepared. <laughs> because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood. Notice the Son of Man became the Son, or the Son of God became the Son of Man. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. And only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives. As slaves to the fear of dying. Come on, can I get an amen? Amen. So, Jesus came to save. You ready for the third one? No, we just got to explode on this one. Let me read what I wrote down here. I love this. Jesus came not just to take us to heaven, but to put heaven in us. Come on, come on, where are you at? Jesus came not just to get us to heaven. That's awesome. That's amazing. If that's all it was, we should be happy the rest of our lives. But Jesus didn't just come to earth just to get us to heaven. He came to put heaven in us. See, that's the difference between religious teaching and what the Bible actually says. Religion tells you it's all about when you get to heaven in the sweet by and by, then you'll be victorious, then you'll be healed, then you'll be prosperous, then you'll actually live. No! Jesus came not just to take us to heaven, but to put heaven in us. To put heaven in us. Now, how does he put heaven in us when we receive Jesus? He sends the spirit of God to live on the inside of us. So we have God himself dwelling on the inside of us. So now when I walk through this life, I'm not walking alone. I can live in days of heaven on the earth because heaven lives on the inside of me. Come on now, somebody. And when I walk through this life, I'm not alone. I have a helper and a counselor and a provider, and a protector, and a standby, and an intercessor, and an encourager, all living on the inside of me everywhere I go. So I'm not just waiting for heaven. I have heaven living on the inside of me. Because the Holy Spirit now lives on the inside of us. And so we can have days of heaven on earth, even before we get there. Because heaven now lives on the inside of us and he gave us the spirit of God as the power of God the presence of God to be able to live a victorious life on earth you don't need victory in heaven you don't need to conquer in heaven you don't need to overcome in heaven you only need it here There's nobody up there for you to defeat. It's only here. So that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us. Not just to get us to heaven, to put heaven in us. In the here and now. So, most believers Think about it the wrong way. If you ask somebody about everything going on in the world, the end times, tragedies, natural disasters, terrorists, fear, most believers are hiding in their Christian bunkers with cans of food, wearing sackcloth and ashes, waiting for the Lord to return. God, if you'd please come back and help us. God, please hurry up and rapture us. God, please hurry up and take us to heaven. That wasn't God's plan. Instead of realizing we have heaven on the inside of us, and we as the church of Jesus Christ should not be taking sides, we should be taking over. And we shouldn't be hiding from the world. We should be going, running into the world because we have heaven on the inside of us. And we have heaven on the inside of us to be able to change our schools, to be able to change our jobs, to be able to change politics, to be able to change governments, to be able to change this world. But they won't see it unless the church realizes there's heaven on the inside of us. Not heaven in a bunker waiting for the Lord to return. Well, you know it's the end times. It's getting scary. Jesus didn't die for that. He died to realize that we have heaven on the inside of us. And God bless when we get to heaven one day. It'll be awesome. But we have a job to do right here and right now. And he died so we could have heaven on the inside of us. Come on, are you getting something today? I'm sorry if I'm a little excited today, but you need it. So we don't have to live in fear because we have heaven on the inside of us. Don't be afraid of the end times or the signs of the times because we have heaven on the inside of us. Don't be afraid because you have heaven on the inside of you. So that means you have power wherever you go to change it for the better. Not hiding away in our churches, in our bunkers, scared of the world, scared of the government, scared of ISIS, scared of terrorism. No. Jesus didn't die and go through all that for a church like that. He died not just to take us to heaven, but to put heaven in us. You want a verse? Come on. Romans 8. Let's look over there. Romans 8, 23. All right, let's look up here. Romans 8, 23. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights As his adopted children. Including the new bodies he's promised us. But let's look at the first part. We as believers groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us. As a foretaste of future glory. I want to talk about that for a second. Why? Because Jesus came not just to take us to heaven. But to put heaven in us. And the Holy Spirit is a foretaste of heaven. And it says that the Holy Spirit has come within us and it is a foretaste of the glory to come in the future. Now, what's a foretaste? I'll say it like this. Now, it's been the Thanksgiving Christmas season. Now, how many of you know some people who can really cook? Raise your hand. Or maybe it's you if you can really cook. Not as many hands, okay. was like, no, you can't cook. Why are you raising your hand? A foretaste of heaven. That's what the Holy Spirit is. Because he didn't just come to take us to heaven. He came to put heaven in us. A foretaste is this. if Let's just say grandma. Now grandma can cook. She can really cook. And she says, baby, (laughs) come over here to grandma. Now I want you to put your finger in that gravy right there. And I want you to taste it. Now, let me get you a spoon. I want you to taste these mashed potatoes. Let's cut off a piece of that turkey and taste a piece of that turkey. And you say, Grandma, this is the best food I ever had. This is amazing. This is awesome. And she goes, well, this is just a foretaste of what's coming. This isn't the main meal. This is just a foretaste. That's what the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us. We're not eating the full meal yet. It's just a foretaste. And if we have heaven on the inside of us right now and it's that good, how good will it be then when we're eating the full meal? If the appetizers are this good, what about the main course? And it says that God gave us the Holy Spirit as a foretaste of heaven. And if God is that good, and those of you who have a relationship with the Holy Spirit know this, if this relationship with Him is this good right now, this is just an appetizer. The real food's gonna be served later on. But if it's this good now, how much better will it be in the future? So he gives the Holy Spirit as a foretaste of heaven. We have heaven living on the inside of us. So if the appetizers are good, you know the the meals going to be good. The Bible says it like this in another place. He's put the Holy Spirit into us as a deposit or a down payment. So God gave us the Holy Spirit as a down payment. Saying this is just the start, not the finish. And I'm putting money up for what's going to happen in the future. And he gave us the Holy Spirit, notice, as a deposit of future glory. As a down payment of what will happen in heaven in the future. But right now, on this earth, we got heaven living on the inside of us. Come on, can I get amen? Amen. And can anybody agree, if the Holy Spirit is this good right now, and this is just the appetizers, how much better will it be in the future? If the down payment's this good, how much better will it be when the debt's fully paid off? So we see that Jesus came not just to take us to heaven But to put heaven in us I love it Brother Hagan would always say this We need to be more God inside minded people yeah. Or we could say we need to be more heaven inside minded people Most people aren't And that's what hurts them Because if we feel like heaven's far away God's far away will feel like, well, how could he ever help me? How could he ever do anything for me? But not realizing God came and he put heaven on the inside of us. And he did that so when we ask him for something, when we need something for him, he's not on the other side of the universe, he's living on the inside of us. The Bible says he is a present help in times of trouble. If he was on the opposite side of the universe or up in heaven, he wouldn't be a present help. But he's a present help in times of trouble because heaven lives on the inside of us. Are you guys getting something today? So why did Jesus come? He came to reveal the heart of God. Now why did Jesus come? He came to save us. Save us from sin, sickness, self, fear, depression, poverty, and death. But lastly, why did He come? He came not just to take us to heaven. That's part of the deal too. But to put heaven in us right now. Come on, did you get something today? You have heaven on the inside of you right now. If you have received Jesus, if he's living on the inside of you, you have heaven on the inside of you. And let me say it one more time. Come on up. Yep. If the appetizers are this good, people, think about how good the main meal will be. And those of you who like dessert, you know dessert served in heaven too. Because this heaven we experience right now, just a foretaste, just a deposit, just a down payment, just an appetizer. It's not the full thing. But he came to bring heaven in us. Come on, you get something today? Well, I love you guys. Can we stand up today?